Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Empowering Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is Glenn Harper. Julie Smith. What's up, Julie? Hey, nothing. How are you doing? Good. Did you have a good lunch? Well, now we, everybody knows that this is after yes, lunch. It's okay. Yeah. No, we had a good lunch. Oh, good. Well, we've got a really exciting guest today. It's amazing where we find these quality people at. So we're all excited. We've got uh, Mike Jezeshek. He is a fellow entrepreneur who is the driving force behind the Small Business Tax Savings podcast. He's helped many of entrepreneurs increase their cash flow by showing clients how to reduce taxes legally. He is also the pretty face behind Inksight, which helps small businesses navigate the complex world of accounting, tax, payroll, and advisory services. Thanks, Mike, for being on the show. Yeah, Glenn and Julie, thanks for having me. Now, Mike, we have to know, do you really do that legally? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just hey now. kidding. Hey now, <laughs> that's half the fun. Right? <laughs> so uh, even though you're from, I think it's Kawashkam, Wisconsin, I detect a slight Fond du Lac accent. Is that true because of the lake <laughs> town that's right above you? You, you must be from the area, no people from the area. You know, I did a couple of golf trips up there and I've driven through both those towns. And so henceforth, that's how I put that together. Beautiful country. There's some beautiful, beautiful golf in Wisconsin. Oh my goodness. Most people don't think of, but it's actually a, a very good golf state. And it's every time I've been there, it's been sunny blue skies, the bluest skies ever. It's been the craziest experience. It's just been a wonderful thing. And again, it's my favorite uh, cheese curd state in the country, of course, because that's what I always get when I go there. It's a, I'm a big fan. Um, so what we like to do is just kind of get a little bit about your journey, what's going on. But, uh, you know, I did a little stalking, which, you know, with limited skill set that I have, I've been able to come up with a couple of things. And this was the most amazing thing. But I, I think at some point. When Are you, you sweating right now wondering what happens when you Google your name? <laughs> Right, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, oh boy, what, what what other information does he know? He knows oh. Kiwaskum and Fond du Lac. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got one other cool piece. So this one is, uh, and, and again, it's funny how things become full circle. And I think on this one, I think your college journey included some time spent at Keller Graduate School of Management in Naperville, Illinois. Is that true? It was. Now that was an online school. So I, I never made it to Naperville. Oh, but well, that's, that's going to kill that's my thunder. Was, yeah. Well, let's pretend you were there because by coincidence, <laughs> that is very close to Aurora, Illinois, where Wayne and Garth started their media empire uh, from Wayne's World. <laughs> and so I just wanted to make sure that, you know, did you knew that you're going to be a podcaster when you attended that school because of the Wayne's World show? You know, it's funny. I didn't even know I was going to be a podcaster when I was a, a podcaster. And it's kind of, <laughs> the, the journey of backing into a podcast was was kind of funny for us because we had some um, videos online and a team member on our team said, hey, you know, why don't you start a podcast or, or, or you know, put those on a podcast? And I'm like, I wasn't a podcast listener at the time. Uh, didn't really know much about podcasts. I was like, OK, whatever. We'll throw them up. So we put three videos on a podcasting platform. 
and did nothing. And and six months later, we had some people reaching out and said, "Hey, I love your content. Love what you're doing on your podcast. Uh, can I you know start working with you? Can I get more information about what you guys do?" And I'm like, "Podcast? What, what podcast are you talking about?" And and that started getting the brain clicking and thinking, "Okay, you know, let's let's maybe see what we can do with this." So I always say I was a podcaster before I even really knew I was I was a podcaster. Funny how things work out. Did you uh, always want to be a CPA, or how did that start? No. So CPA was, was really my backup plan. Um, I started, <laughs> hey, I'm sitting uh, right here. An, Come on, help us out. <laughs> I started as an entrepreneur at a pretty young age in the online marketing industry. And so I uh, was doing a kind of a unique part of the online marketing industry and was doing that at the age of 14, uh, started to, uh, kind of grow my business there, ended up exiting at the age of 18. Um, now the exit, don't get too excited. It was a $7,000 exit. I was talking to someone the other day. I have a, a purchase agreement kind of framed and in my office of, of that exit, but I was, I was excited. Uh, and it was an opportunity to expand more into the online marketing industry. And so started to get into different parts of it, had some partners, different parts of the business, but while all that was going on, I was like, well, you know, your typical entrepreneur spirit, you expect the bomb to fall out, you know, at some point, and you're always worried about, okay, what, what could possibly happen? And so while that was going on, I was going to school, uh, going to business school and decided to go accounting. And while I was doing accounting, I decided to get my CPA. So that was kind of the full backup plan um, and came to fruition once we I graduated high school was uh, with a company. There were seven of us that were partners of that company, all really, really talented, but really good at different parts of the industry. And it was hard to pull a company or create a company that was you know, trying to do seven different things and, and specialties. And so at that point, we decided, hey, you know, let's let's disband and, and do what we do best. And at that time, I decided to go out and start a bookkeeping firm specific to that industry, just because we had a good reputation, a lot of experience in that industry. And that's kind of where that journey of down, you know, actually practicing as a CPA started. You know, it's, it's uh, funny entrepreneurs listen to this. You, your backup plan should always be an accountant CPA because then at least you understand the numbers. Most entrepreneurs don't understand the numbers. They just have that idea and they have to go find somebody to do that. So the question for you is, were you your own accountant or did you hire someone to do your books for you? Um, I was my own accountant. So I was, when we uh, were in this online marketing industry, uh, once I started getting deeper into the accounting side and schooling is when I really kind of transitioned to that was my main role in, in these entities. So, um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the, the idea there. And yeah, when I decided, okay, what, what kind of degree am I going to be in? Like I, my, little part of my entrepreneur journey was in online marketing. Should I, you know, go to school for marketing? Um, but I knew that a degree in accounting, you could still do marketing, you could still do finance, you could probably do HR if you want. So that degree in accounting was really versatile where a degree in marketing, you can't become necessarily a CPA. Of course it's possible, but that transition is much harder. And so my backup plan, for some reason, I picked accounting, and, and here we are today talking about yeah. it. Accounting is universal. You can get into dentistry, law, medicine. <laughs> you can do like anything I, with accounting. I feel like I would rather do anything <laughs> than have an accounting the, degree, the only, especially as my backup plan. <laughs> the only thing you can't be in as an accountant is an engineer because all the engineers that fail become accountants. That's a rule, as we all know. So that, that you well, just you can't said be, it, Glenn. I, I didn't. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, that, I remember my business classes in college, and I'm like, ah, oh, what did you start? Well, I was an engineer, and I couldn't make it, so I had to pick something 
something else. So accounting was, you know, the next easiest thing. I was like, wow, that's saying something. That, <laughs> that feels great. Engineering <laughs> math is thanks everybody. So when you started your first uh, gig as being an entrepreneur at 14 doing the online thing, you know, how did you say, hey, most kids go get a mow grass, they get a paper route or whatever back, depending on what age everybody is, or they're working at a restaurant. You decided to start a company. Who influenced you to do that? I mean, why did you, why did you even think that was an option? Most people don't think that they can immediately start a business. Yeah, well, I was very into kind of the online kind of tech world. And I actually say that this this journey started before that. When I, when I was younger, my dad would go to a lot of auctions. He'd buy antiques, different things, and, and resell them. And there was one auction that they were selling this box of bottle caps, like uh, from a you know glass bottle cap. And I could, I don't even know what the brand was. It wasn't something that I recognized because it was pretty old. But we bought a box of like 2,000 of these bottle caps for like $20. And we ended up, he said, okay, I'm going to have a project for you. We're going to take these 2,000 bottle caps. We're going to take them out into batches of 50. And we're going to go on eBay. We're going to resell these bottle caps. And so we did that. And every bag of 50 sold for the same price that we paid for the whole box of 2000. So it's kind of that, that, that idea of like, whoa, like we, there's, there's arbitrage here. You can buy something and, and redo something, do it, change it, sell it to a different audience and, and make money on it. And so when I first started at 14, what I was doing is I was, I was selling eBooks on eBay. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd find something of how to build your own, own cornhole game or something like that. And I'd sell it for 99 cents on eBay. And that was kind of this idea of getting into this online marketing industry. And just from doing that, you start to find out other people are doing something similar. And that quickly transitioned into more of a, you know, more of an online marketing and, and more specifically affiliate marketing within that space. And so uh, that's kind of, you know, it was all on my own. And, and I still, to this day, I think uh, my parents tell me, when are you ever going to get like a real job? Because they, they weren't used to somebody working online back in, back in those days, obviously it's, it's so common now, but uh, I always remember like when I was in high school making money and, and my parents probably, I don't know what they thought I was doing down there, where this, where the, where some kind of money was coming from. But the, the comment was always like, when are you really going to actually get a real job where, where you, you can actually start to transition yourself? Um, and to this day, they look back and be like, man, you know, we, we got that wrong. I think you were doing the right thing back then, but um Funny. But two questions that that begets because I, you know, I find the humor and it's funny thing. So you're basically Jeff Bezos in a different way, buying something, reselling on Amazon. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. And the second thing, do you still have any of those bottle caps left, or do you sell them? I all? don't. I mean, that is no, like an we, iconic. No, I was pretty young. We thing. sold them all, and, and if I did have them, I probably would have thrown them away or tried to skip them across the driveway. Something, something fun like that. So your dad was a hustler, and that's kind of where you learned that that process of how do you create something, right? Yeah, he was in, uh, he was initially an insurance, insurance agent and uh, got sick of that. And so he got into antique stores. So he had a couple antique stores, uh, eventually got rid of that. And then he just started doing handyman type stuff. Um, I was a guy that from the beginning did not like physical labor. So I knew that whatever I did for a profession, it would not involve, you know, being able to be abusing my body to do it. And so that handyman and antique and carrying furniture, that stuff wasn't definitely not my wheelhouse. That'd be tough for me to, I love antiques. I'd, I'd have a hard time reselling them. I'd probably be the hoarder. Uh, <laughs> you are the hoarder now. Let's I got not, some good stuff. But that's not for this good, podcast. I know that's, that's a whole nother, I got to talk a therapist on that. <laughs> Maybe he can help you yes. get those off your 
Um, so, so now you live in Milwaukee, which is Algonquin for the good land. And, uh, you know, are you love still living in Wisconsin? Did you ever go, I mean, did you ever go anywhere else or did you just stay local? Born and raised in Wisconsin, um, grew up in Kewaskin, which is just north of north of Milwaukee. Went to school in, in a, a town called Oshkosh, uh, which is just south of Green Bay. Uh, so born and raised in Milwaukee or born and raised in Wisconsin, still here. Um, you know, I always say the the winters are brutal here and, and people always say, you know, why don't you just get out of there? Like, why don't you leave Wisconsin? And I always say, well, you know, if it wasn't for family, I wouldn't be here. But I look back and 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 look at some of these days, especially summer, spring, fall, and and just say like this, it's a great place to live. You know, take that winter piece out, those couple months out of there. Uh, Wisconsin's a great place to live and and raise a family. So, I don't foresee us leaving here. Um, if we do, and 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 probably in the future, we'll we'll be uh, snowboarding. So mm-hmm. you know, the January through March, getting out of the cold for a little bit and coming back. You know, it's funny, we, we get lots of guests and, and over the years talk with entrepreneurs and, you know, usually there's some sort of, uh, they travel go somewhere, they go away for school, they go on a vacation, they go visit somebody and they move away just to start something. And that's where they get that entrepreneurial bug, right? And that, then they bring mm-hmm. that back home and do that. It sounds like you just had that the whole time where you were at, right? Yeah. I don't know where it came from. You know, I think my dad had some influence on it with some of the things that he was doing, but, um, you know, I, I like to be somewhat in control. And I, I know as an entrepreneur, you you really don't have, a, you know, you feel like you have zero control when you're running your business. But in reality, you have so much control and and you can really do whatever you want to do with with your business and, and your career. And so um, that was an opportunity. I, I just love that opportunity. And so really have been an entrepreneur and working for myself, uh, you know, since the very beginning. I had a few odd end jobs started out in grocery, you know, bagging groceries and also was a banker in, in the early days. But outside of that, uh, have always kind of worked for myself. Oh, the dreaded banker role. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> so when you say in control, did you not like anybody else telling you what to do either? You know, it's funny because some of people say, you know, could you ever go work for somebody else? And I'm like, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, I get along with people. I, I don't foresee myself kind of really butting heads with people, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can do what I want whenever I want and, and you know, to an extent. And uh, that's something you don't always get when you're working for somebody else. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You can be, uh, oh, we're going to need you to come in on Saturday and work on those TPS reports. I, I just can't imagine that being something that I don't think I could handle. I don't know if, Julie, you could handle that. Well, I don't even like TPS reports but, to begin with. But, but I think what the, the bigger thing on that is, like, if you see something can be done better, you can pivot really fast when having that control. Oftentimes, I think when you are working someplace else for someone else, that pivot is a little harder, right? You got to get everybody's, you know. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think that's where we've seen entrepreneurs run into that that wall. Oh, yeah, so true. And and, and I think, you know, as an accountant, as a CPA, I really took a, a, a unique approach. You know, the, the typical route is, you know, go do your, do your schooling, maybe get your master's or a double major, sit for the CPA exam, go work for the big four or some big regional firm, and then, you know, go private or, or start your own firm. Kind of that's the route that everybody in my class took. And, and I took a, a completely different approach where I, I started out, you know, working in an online marketing industry and the companies that we were a part of, and then started an accounting firm and had no experience in accounting, never worked for another firm, 
Um, but I say that that brought some good things and some some bad things. You know, the good things I'm not taking the baggage from a traditional accounting firm where you're working 60 hour weeks, you have rough tax seasons, and you know I, I didn't have any of that experience. So I didn't when I built my firm out, I wasn't you know I didn't build it knowing that hey you know we're going to work long long hours. Um, now the bad part of it is I had to learn how do you do an accounting firm? How do you do this? And are we doing it the way everybody else was? But it gave us an opportunity to really kind of build that firm differently. Um, when we started our accounting firm back in 2013, there was no such thing. At least it wasn't very common as a cloud-based accounting and, and, and servicing clients around the country like that. But that's what we did. You know, we were been completely virtual since the very beginning. And so um, I, I, I say it's it's just kind of a, a refreshing approach. Exactly right, Julie, is where you can kind of you can build it how you want to. You don't have to follow the same framework. You don't have to change minds of other people. You're in control of what do you want to build? How do you want to build it? And go do it. Now, that means you're going to have some road bumps. You're going to have some stumbles. There's going to be some really, really tough times in there because you're not just following that framework and you don't have that, you know, somebody that's backing everything that you're doing behind you. It's up to you. you. You're the one that's holding the gun when it comes to performance of that. And so that can be tough. And that's that's where entrepreneurs, I think, really get into that rut sometimes where they're struggling. But I also think, you know, you talk about the highs and the lows, the peaks and the valleys that you face when you go through those pivots per se. But don't you think it's when you kind of hit the valley that you learn even more that that next peak is even higher? Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, too, one thing that I always found is, is, you know, like when you're getting to that valley, you you know, you can so, kind of see it coming. And, and there's just something in your spirit that that there's bounces up and say, okay, we got to prepare for this. You know, what are we going to do to fight this? And I think that that's the entrepreneur mindset is those people that say, hey, we're going into a, a dark space. You know, things are not going how we planned or wanted them to go. But having that idea of hey, we need to prepare for this so that we can get out of here and really catapult out of that valley, that's where the entrepreneurs really shine. Uh, you know, and some people get stuck in there. You know, they they don't prepare for it. They don't see it coming. They don't think that, hey, this is never going to happen. And that's where that valley can just really last longer than than they could have ever imagined. Have you had any of those that you can remember or give uh, an example of? Unfortunately, I have. Yeah. So we uh, when we first started the firm, I didn't have any tax experience, never worked tax. You know, I did my own tax return, but that was that was about the extent of it. And so started out as just a bookkeeping firm, accounting, bookkeeping type work, um, was referring out a lot of tax work and was just really struggling with the people that we were referring out to, um, struggling to get answers for our clients. Um, and it was just more of like a, here's your tax return, see you next year type experience. And and I, I didn't like that experience for our clients. And so what did I do? I said, oh, we're going to start offering tax. Um, and so that first tax season, and I'm by myself, never done a tax return before. Now, my, my wife's a CPA too and does have some public experience, but she's more on the audit side. But man, like that first tax season was like, okay, this is not what I want to do. Like tax is not not the answer. What, how do I, what do I do? Where do I go from here? Um, and, and luckily I was fortunate enough to to kind of think through that, knowing that, hey, this might not, this tax idea might not work out, but what are some options? If I don't like tax or I'm not good at it, or I can't catch on to tax, what are some options to to continue to maybe offer this moving forward? And so we started to kind of vet some contractors out that, you know, 
really kind of acted as part of our team, but we're just independent contractors to tr- try to get us through that phase of saying, yeah, taxes for us or taxes not for us. So there was a couple of years there where it was, it was rough, you know, doing tax returns. I'm seeing things that I've never seen before. Now, again, we're a completely virtual firm. So we have clients across the country and I'm dealing with different States before I've never, you know, lived out of Wisconsin. So I've only ever filed one state return. And so, yeah, that it was, it, it, it was tough. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that resonates with me a little bit on what you're saying is, you know, when people start a business or become an entrepreneur, they usually have this idea and they want to do it, but they, a lot of times they have, have some experience of working for somebody else and they're saying, well, I can do this better. Right. So there's some history there to do it. But then there's a lot of times when people just go cold Turkey on it. And one of the cool things with you, like I said, you didn't learn all those bad habits of accountants and, and, and what those expectations were in the industry and how clients viewed you and what you thought you had to do. And, and that had to be, I mean, amazing. I'm looking at going, man, I, I wish I'd have kind of done that because it's just a different perspective. And you said, I'm going to build it this way and then grow into it versus, well, we're just going to grind this out for the next you know 50 years and just be a sweatshop and all those things. I think that was a kind of a cool way to look at it that you, if you didn't know what you didn't know and you just made it work and a lot of entrepreneurs, you don't have to have the answer. You, you, you can navigate mm-hmm. and figure out at some point you should probably get some advice on how to better run your business per se, but not necessarily the tasks that you're doing, right? The thing, the product or service that you're doing, that's up to you to kind of figure out, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think the, the idea behind that is, when we first started, the, the problem that I had is clients weren't getting that proactive tax advice. So mm-hmm. we had a problem and I couldn't find a solution from outside sources. Now, there were accounting firms out there that did a phenomenal job of that stuff. But for whatever reason, I couldn't find them or we weren't connected or they weren't you know open for, for new clients, whatever it was. And so there was a problem that I didn't necessarily know how to fix, but I knew I had to fix it. And so I put myself in that situation. And again, it's kind of foreseeing that valley. You know, I knew going into tax, there was going to be, it was going to be a rough couple of years uh, trying to understand this type of stuff. Uh, But it was something that I felt like we had to put ourselves into because otherwise we had to transition and say, okay, you know, what do we do about this tax piece? We can do great accounting, get you great financials and, and help you through running your business. But if I can't help you at all on the tax side, you know, I feel like I am not, I'm not doing a disservice to you. And if I can't get you in front of an advisor that I know can, can give you a good service at that level, I feel like I'm, I'm doing a disservice, even if we're doing everything perfectly fine. And so forced myself into fixing that problem that we knew our clients had. Well, I think that's the whole part about the, the, the peaks and the valleys, right? You were able, I'm going to say it's because you're accounting training to anticipate the valley, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't anticipate, it just happens. And, but that mm-hmm. separates everybody as well that says, are we going to quit? We never quit. We never quit as entrepreneurs. You always have to say, okay, I got to tweak this and do this better because as much as we grow in the valley, we don't like being there. <laughs> we, we operate better when we're at our, as we're growing, trying to build something up now. And that, to the next point. So are you in a, the phase of a entrepreneurial journey where you are um, doing business or are you in the phase where you are, are building a business 
where it, does, it can run without you or with minimal input. Where are you at in your journey on that? Yeah. So that, that was a struggle that I, that I really had. And, you know, if I, you know, you say if we could look back and, you know, start an accounting firm without the baggage, that sounds refreshing. You know, th- there's a lot of things too. When I look back and say, okay, if I could start an accounting firm over again, I would do a lot of things differently. And in the main part of that was I was so intertwined in the company. Um, the clients knew me, I was selling, I was providing the services, I was providing the tax returns. And, you know, even though we had staff, you know, everybody was coming to me as, as kind of that, that sole resource, which made it extremely hard to say, okay, I want to start stepping back a little bit, but you always get sucked in from those clients, some of those older clients that you had. And, and it, it's a really tough experience. So looking back, there, there would be a lot of things that I could change there. And, I got to a point where I said, you know, I, I want to step away from the day to day. You know, I love training. I love talking about tax savings. I love helping clients in this area, but I don't like doing tax returns. I don't like doing accounting. Like that's just something that I didn't enjoy or find fulfillment anymore. But being able to broadcast and being able to bring these things to small business owners across the country that I enjoyed doing. Uh, so about two years ago, I actually had an exit of, of my accounting firm, uh, which was what I envisioned is my, my, the easiest opportunity I had to really be able to step away and, and step away and focus on what I really kind of wanted to go at, at, a, at a higher level. And so uh, sold a majority portion, majority stake in my accounting firm, still retained a small percentage and, and, and work as an advisor at that firm now. But that allowed me now to have my attention focused and say, okay, you know, the accounting firm is great. If they need help, you know, I'm, I'm there to help them, assist them, work with them through it. But my day-to-day has nothing to do with working with clients, nothing to do with doing taxes, that type of work. Now my focus is 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 training, doing a podcast, those types of things. And so where am I today? Yeah, I'm at that position where, yeah, I'm, I'm I've kind of built a business, exited. Now I'm I'm I would say rebuilding a little bit. You know, we're working on some software, different things like that. Um, but it's with a much different mindset, a much different uh, way of going about it to ensure that, hey, this is this is not going to be a business that is going to require me inside of it to operate effectively. And so how do you think you were effectively able to build your team? I think sometimes entrepreneurs struggle with, you know, delegation and some of those those items um, control. Um so how do you think you were able to build a team where you feel really comfortable taking that step back and kind of finding a different passion? Yeah, that that that, that was so tough for me. And and you know, my first couple of hires were 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 very bad and and not bad as as you know, employees, they were bad hires for me because I wasn't ready for employees yet. Um they probably look at me and be like, "Man, like I'm not working for you because I expected them to replace me." I expected them to talk, do everything just as I did. So that our clients just had a seamless transition. Like whether I'm talking to Mike or whether I'm talking to employee XYZ, I'm having the same experience. And it took me a little bit to realize that's never going to happen. You're never going to have that. And I also realized that I don't want that. I don't want a bunch of me's in our company. I want people that are better than me or people that do things differently than me to bring refreshing ideas and different things that we can do better. And so I started to look at hiring and approach it in a different way. You know, I would say, okay, if I do something at a hundred percent, you know, let's say I I perform a tax consultation at a hundred percent, I want to expect my employee to do it at 75%. And when I came in with that mindset, it was funny because 
the same employee was doing, was performing so much better in my mindset. You know, that employee probably was performing at 110, even though I was at hundred, but they weren't doing it the way I want. I did it. They weren't doing it the way they weren't a replica of me. And so to me, I didn't see it at that 110%. But when I started to take my expectations down a little bit, and then I would evaluate kind of where are clients going, you know, how are these conversations going? I would jump into meetings. I'd see clients start to say, I don't need to talk to Mike. Like, let me talk to whoever else is handling that because they've had such a good experience there. Even though it's a different style, it's a different way of doing things. That allowed me to really kind of understand and get that aha moment of, you know, this, when, when we're hiring employees, it doesn't have to be a replica of me. We're looking for someone to bring new ideas, new style to it. And in, in a way that's going to help our business grow because they're bringing a different approach to the table than what I brought. Yeah. That's that whole, uh, you know, there's the technical skills of how you advise a client and what are, this is, it can be accounting, it can be anything of what you need to do to what you do. So there's a way to do it, right? That's, you can't really argue with a tax plan for somebody and you could take 10 clients that have a rental property and a schedule C and you're going to probably do the same thing for those same 10 clients, right? And you can duplicate that. However, your swag and how you do it, it's really hard to teach that. So that's where you have to mm -hmm. empower somebody to kind of put their spin on it. They're still going to get the same results technically, but how do they get that relationship, which is what really matters in, in our type of work, right? And yours as well. It's, it's really about the relationship to have that connection where they trust you and you can communicate it effectively. Because if not, it doesn't matter how good you are on the numbers. If you can't talk to them, it just isn't going to happen. Oh, so true. Yeah. Well, and I think as you've built a team, kind of what you've described is you were able to kind of differentiate between like the intangible things that can happen and like the tangible characteristics and values and whatever you'd built your business around. So you were able to decipher between, okay, I can give on this, but I can't kind of give on this type of type of scenario as you kind of have went through that. Yeah. And, and the whole idea too is, is also realizing that as you make that transition, there's some clients that you're going to lose. There's some clients that are not going to be able to adapt to not working with the head of the company. And that's fine. Like that's healthy. That's good for your business. And so coming to that realization and saying, Hey, we're going to lose some clients, but that's a good thing because those clients, as we lose them, that means that it's freeing up more time for me. That's freeing up more time that we can focus on the business. How can we grow this thing? Where can we take it? How can I, you know, really build our staff into leaders that can take control of this business? And it also gives us direction of, okay, what kind of clients do we want? We know we don't want this one over here because they need to have that one person, that owner of the company that they're working with. So how can we try to pick and choose and, and get into an area of let's build our, our, our firm, our business with the clients that we do want and we can grow with? Because let's be honest, you can be an accounting firm. You can make a really good living. You don't have to grow up. You can make a good living working 50, 60 hour weeks and just having your, your good bunch of clients if that's what you want. That's not what I wanted. And I think that's not, not what a lot of accountants want. And so you have to kind of approach it in a different mindset of that traditional way of looking at accounting. Are you suggesting that accountants shouldn't do what they did last year? They should maybe evaluate. <laughs> yeah. and I'm sitting right here. Is that the Sally approach? <laughs> yes. The same it, as last year, everything. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you can, uh, that's why I just, Again, it's there's certain things in life that I just think are uh, there's just a, a, a harmony with them, and and one of those things is 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 golf. You you're really playing against yourself, right? And accounting, 
It's just a self-evaluation of what has to happen and the processes that you have to get your results you want. But in any business, if you can apply those concepts, you'll be successful at it because it isn't necessarily to evaluate your client, for example, like you, you don't have to keep those clients if you don't want, if they don't fit the, the ones that argue and complain about their bill and whatever, you're like life's too short to deal with that. It's okay to, to, to have release them, set them free. And it's okay to go after a client you want. Accountants and every entrepreneur thinks they have to take everybody. And at some point mm-hmm. you, you do start off that way. But then, then once you get your sea legs, you got to start paring that back or you can never grow, you can never scale, and you'll never get out of your own way. I mean, that, this, that's a universal law. So all you entrepreneurs listening, please take that to heart. Yeah. And when I first started, it, you know, it was, you say you're not going to do this, but it ends up happening. Every phone call you get, every email you get, every lead that comes through, you're selling. Whether it's a good deal, whether it's a good client, whether it's the industry you want to work with or not, you're selling it because you just want to get, you just want to put food on the table. But there comes a time where there's going to be, have to be a transition phase if you want to be able to, to breathe. And I think that if you, it's fine to have that approach at the beginning saying we're going to take in everything. But I say that if you're going to do that, at least have the foresight that you know what's going to come from that. And how can you start to build that a little bit differently? You know, if we're going to be taking in all these clients and we're going to be, you know, the head person, I'm going to sell, I'm going to deliver the tax returns. I'm going to deliver the financials because it's just me in this business. Uh, how can we, let clients know that, Hey, this might not always be this way or what way can we approach this? So clients don't think that this is going to be forever because that is where you start to see that break apart. That's where you see accountants, business owners getting stuck in their business because they can't get away from those clients because they took them when they needed them. They no longer need them, but they also don't want to lose them. Um, and they're forced into, you know, they, they can't get out of that rut of how do I back away from my business a little bit because they're afraid of, of the fear of losing clients. Well, and I think, you know, accountants, again, we're just weird people to begin with, but you know, one of the basic premises, we, we want to help people. And, and that is our, I guess our fatal flaw is we want to help anybody and we can't help everybody we can help anybody. We just can't help everybody. And then once you realize you got to be a little selective, it makes it a little easier. And again, that's in any business, right? If you're trying yeah. to, if you're selling a service, you're trying to help somebody, a product, you're trying to get someone that's going to help them, but it may not be for everybody. And that's okay. It's, it's okay if it isn't. And that's the, I don't know if that was, you know, you know, was, if that was your biggest fear that you had to overcome. I mean, that's one of our favorite questions. Is that one of your biggest fears is to recognize what you wanted to do and which clients you're going to do that with? Was that your biggest fear or did you have something else? Well, you know, I always say this, you know, I'm a golfer as well. And so I always look at it this way. When you hit a good golf shot, you're like, that's, that's good. Feels good. But you move on really quickly. When you hit a bad golf shot, you're, you're, you're angry. You're overanalyzing it. You're, you're doing everything bad. Even if you hit three bad shots, you know, in a round and, I hit many more. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. much more lopsided than that. But even if you hit three bad shots in a round, your focus is on those three bad shots. We had a client the other day that's been a client with us since the way beginning that um, decided to to leave our firm. This was a client that was underpriced, uh, very needy. We were losing money on this client for for many years. When they decided to leave, internally it hurt. Because you're losing a client, you're losing a friend, you're losing somebody that you've really gotten to know and, and help grow, help see their business. Where instead of focusing on that hurt 
what my mind should have been was, hey, we just lost a client that we were losing money on that was taking our staff, that was making our staff frustrated, upset because they knew, you know, they were putting so much work into it, knowing that the value wasn't there for the price and everything else. But instead of focusing on that, business owners will focus on this, oh, I just lost a friend. I just lost somebody that was close to us that we've helped grow their business. That change is 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 a dynamic that I think all business owners, if they want to get out of the day-to-day of their business, they have to be able to fight that difference. Because we have a lot more clients that are in that situation that we are hanging on to because we don't want to feel that pain. Whereas if we look at it from a different mindset of saying, hey, we lose this client, our firm, our staff, our team, our other clients are all better off. Who cares about that little bit of pain that we're going to get when you lose that client? That's you just a, described Glenn and I's dynamic, his thought process hard. and my thought process well, <laughs> in the firm. But it's it's so interesting because you're so right. There's such an emotional capacity to those firm owners. I kind of want to pivot. And I mean, I love talking accounting and golfing. Um, no one can sense my sarcasm <laughs> over here. But you don't. That's what weird. does a day look like for you now? What are what is your day? What what are your hopes and dreams? What are you moving towards as you've kind of gotten out of this one business? Yeah. So most of my day now is, uh, in, we have a few projects that I'm working on right now, um, writing a book, building out a, a software. Um, so those are kind of back burners. Side what, projects what's your book on? Just taxes, small business. Tax you you say it like I should have known. I'm so sorry. It's obvious. I knew what it was going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I talk about. Like you're, you're, you're creeping and you're, you're Googling should have realized that anything you put my name on, it's always got the word tax well, next to it. Probably. Don't forget the cool thing is if you release this book in the next year, you're going to have to do a, a, a <laughs> sequel a year after because the TCJ expires and you have to do another one. So I know. you have a guaranteed audience. You know, writing a book on taxes or some form of taxes is really tough. I've, I'm working with my editor and we're like, how do we, how do we keep this relevant past, you know, when the book's published, how do, how do we make it still relevant then? Changes. So it's, it's really a battle, but you is know, your software so tax related I, I to a couple of side, say it again. Is your software tax related to it is. Okay. Ah. Yeah. My man. I'm just, uh, so, I'm just laughing. I yeah, love it. So, mo- so most of my time now is, is just done on research. Um, you know, uh, I'm big into not necessarily tax prep, but tax savings. You know, well, how can we help lower the tax bills of uh, small business owners across the country? So doing research, creating content, um, you know, we have a podcast, do a lot of stuff on that. And then these projects are kind of taking up the rest of the day and, and where they come in and fill in. So I also do a little bit of advising and management of our uh, of the firm as well. So it's like full circle, like you didn't want to do that tax for the firm, right? And now look where you found that passion to be able to help, you know, other people is right in that tax realm. It's so weird. It's Funny so how odd. things work out. <laughs> Crazy. Do you have any um, uh, regrets or or uh, son of a biscuit moments where you're like, man, if I'd have just known this, then I, it would have been a this would have been so much easier. I mean, I don't have to push this thing uphill. Like, do you have any of those types of things? And what advice could you give our listeners to? have awareness of when that might happen to try to pull that trigger a little earlier so you don't have to struggle for so long. Yeah, I, I think two things. Um, the first one we kind of talk on a little bit, so I was touching on it briefly, but it's that idea of at the beginning stages of growing your business, no, have a have an envision of what that end might look like or what is the ideal, what does your ideal day look like five years from now, 10 years from now? 
And you need to start having that in mind as you're building your business from day one. Because if I had that mindset from day one, we our business would have grew much quicker. It would have been, I would have been in a position where I can do what I'm doing now without having to necessarily exit the business in order to get to that position. So having that mindset of saying, okay, here's what I want my my day-to-day life to look like down the road. I know that it's not going to look like that today. I know it's not going to look like that in the next two years, few years. But how can I build it so that I can get to that point in a much easier fashion instead of going this way, way left, and then having to veer right to try to get back to that ideal situation? Um, The second piece is when we first started our firm, we were cloud accounting wasn't wasn't out there. You know, people weren't running virtual accounting firms back back at this time. Very common nowadays. Uh, so we ran into an issue of how do we manage clients? How do we manage projects all in a virtual type environment with staff across the country? And so we started to build out our own project management software. That project management software took three, three and a half years to build. And eventually when we came to market, there was six competitors out there, all with project management software specific to accountants with a lot of funding. And so we kind of just let that project die. But the 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 wisdom from that was, don't try to build everything perfect for its first iteration. You know, this software was perfect. It had all the features we wanted. It looked great. We tweaked all these different things before we launched it, where we could have launched it two and a half years earlier at uh, what I call minimal viable product or a very, you know, here is some basics. Here's feature number two. And then the next six months, we're going to add another feature and slowly grow that. We could have maybe got our foot into that market. But by the time that we had this perfect software built out, it was too late. There was so much competition in there. In that three years that it took to build that, the competition sweeped in in that in that time. So, what do you think your superpower is? <laughs> None. Uh, you got something. <laughs> you had, I don't have a superpower. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have to have I, one. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I I think that. I don't know. You stumped me on that on that question. Um, I'm as an accountant, I'm, and I'm sure Glenn is this way. We don't traditionally are, are very humble people, so um, we're, we're not going to go bragging about things. But um, you can brag on I, this I don't podcast. Know, just, I guess a passion to be a you know a, a business owner, being able to have control over what I'm doing, and, and being able to look into the future and, and grow that. Um, being able to take hard hard stuff and and get through it, I guess, you know, I've never given up in, in the, in the ventures that I've been into. I've had businesses with partners, business without partners, exits, failures, everything in there. And, and, and you just keep fighting as an entrepreneur. I'm going to guess uh, maybe a piece of your superpower is that your probably one of your core values is you, you want to help people. And if you help people to be better, not only staff, but clients, the industry, and everybody has a better standard, you'll get paid for that at some point. And you did, but you'll get paid again. But I think you get joy in in, in having that something bigger than yourself, probably. Because uh, it, it isn't yeah. about you. It never has been, I don't think. Yeah, and that's and that's really kind of what, what is so fulfilling about what, but what I do now. Most of the stuff we put out there, it's free. You know, we're putting out free content, free podcast episodes, we're doing all these things. And, you know, the idea is that of course you have to be monetized somehow, you know, we have to, we have to make a living. Um, but the mindset I know is that if you, if you do good, you, you help other people, just as you mentioned, Glenn, you're going to get monetized. There's, there's going to be a way to do it. There's not, there's nobody out there 
that has put in a lot of hard work, helped a lot of people out that never got a reward from that in some sort of way. And so uh, it just takes time. It takes a push. It takes resilience to kind of get to that point. You know, you can't, you can't put out five, 10 articles, blog posts, videos that are really, really good content and just expect that's going to be enough to monetize it. You have to do this day in and day out and that, that money will follow at some point. There's definitely a correlation uh, between effort and relevance and and payback or you know pay off whatever you want to look like and commitment. Yeah, yeah, you can't just half-ass it. For yeah, sure. So yeah, the it, hardest part I think as an entrepreneur is is sometimes we 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 want things to happen quick. We want we want to do this now. We want to do this now. Do this now. And the world just doesn't work that way. You know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a journey <laughs> as, as I talk to entrepreneurs, I just say like, get ready, get ready for a ride. Like there's going to be some great ups and downs. And, um, you know, just when you think you're on top of the world, something's going to crash and and you have to be ready for that and being able to sustain that. Um, because guess what? You're going to be higher up on top of that world the next time up. Um, as long as you just keep pushing. It seems like, you know, what we had to do, Back in the day, to be an entrepreneur, there were no shortcuts per se. You had to learn it and figure it out. Today, at least there's content out there. There is shortcuts. But you still got to do the work. But all those ancillary things that would be exhausting, you don't make money on those things. You can farm those out. There are shortcuts. And that's kind of a, as an entrepreneur, don't feel like you got to do it yourself. There are lots of resources mm-hmm. out there. Some free, some not. But you don't have to figure it all out. You, you know, your core business thing that you do you got to figure that out. But all the other stuff, it, it, there are shortcuts, thankfully, because if not, n- nobody could get anything done. We if we had to do the same timetable we did 30 years ago. We, I mean, we'd be outdated before it even got to market. Yeah. And you don't want to do it yourself. Oh, you God, know, no. that, that's just going to slow you down. Um, I, I see so many business owners just get stuck in, in growth because they are trying to do it themselves. And, and I I was that person. I was that business owner. You know, I have an online marketing background. So why not? Why not just I do all the online marketing, but in reality, that's not where my time should be spent. You know, that's, that's not where the, I can bring the most value is, is putting up a social media ad or doing a media buy somewhere. That's not where I can bring value to my company, but somebody I can hire that specializes in that and is focused on that can do that where I can start to build that content. I can give that content and, and spend my time on that research that they can use to then do that, do that online marketing with it. That, that's why I asked you at the very beginning, do you do your own accounting? on taxes because believe it or not, the second you put that with a second set of eyes, it lets you see things a little more clearer, clearer to kind of pick apart the things. Man, I, I just didn't see that because somebody else is doing it different than you would. And mm-hmm. and now you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. So it's always fun to have somebody double check your stuff just for fun. So Mike, we have one last question. What is your end game? <laughs> you know, I think as an entrepreneur that there there is never an end and an official end. Um, you I must have listened to at, a podcast you, before. You, <laughs> the right answer. <laughs> you know, I always think you know, kind of what does that look like? My my end game or what I envision is that that end is is a long end, and it's this idea of just being able to provide value help people out and get monetized for it, but it really just kind of enjoy what I'm doing and and really focus on what I want to do. You know, I don't enjoy tax returns. So why should I spend my time doing tax returns if that's not something I find value in? So when I look at an end game or envision of where do you want to go, it's 
that you really enjoy doing everything that you can do. And, you know, that's going to bring value to other people by doing that. Um, so that that's kind of my goal. I, I've, I've seen, you know, have some close friends, have some close clients that um, have had really big exits, uh, you know, within the past five years. And you start to see like you have to have that plan. Like these people are set for life, never have to work again, never have to worry about money. But what do you do? You know, this person has worked all their life, has put long hours in, has put their heart and soul into their business. And now they don't have to, but they lose that fulfillment. Like if you were used to waking up at six o'clock every day, going to the office, coming home, working with your family, going to bed and that that's your, that's your pattern. You can't just retire and say, okay, now I'm just going to go sit on the beach every single day. And so, you know, I don't think there's ever that end game. Um, you know, what, what I look at too is, is, is doing something in the charity world. You know, I love to um, support charities. We do it a lot in our firm, uh, do a lot in our podcasts is just find ways to bring and help other people out in the things that we're doing. And so um, I, I, I do think that uh, eventually that will be my goal is to, to be in a position where some type of charity work. Mike, it's a pleasure chatting with you. And again, on the entrepreneurial journey, sometimes we talk to people that they're trying to figure it out. Sometimes they're done. Sometimes in the middle, it sounds like you're on a great path where you kind of have some purpose for what you're trying to do. Um, you had an exit event, so you got a little, you know, capital, if you will, to do what you need to do. And that frees you up your time to do the things you really, really want to do. And isn't that, it's not about money, it's about time. As you get older and you're trying to do your thing, it's, do you have the freedom to do what you want to do? And that is really what it's all about, all the entrepreneurial listeners. So, Mike, appreciate you being on the show. It's been a pleasure. And congratulations. I think you have a, a new little baby at home, right? We do, yeah. So it's our uh, just about two year, two months old now. And so right. we have a two-and-a-half-year-old as well. So it's it's a bit hectic and, and, and quite sleepy uh, over at this household, at least. Well, enjoy it. It doesn't last forever. It's the best. True. Well, thanks again for being on the show. This is uh, Glenn Harper. And Julie Smith. Take care, everybody. See you next time. At Harper & Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.